Welcome back to another episode of Spectator Mode. I'm Neil Strubig. With me, as always, is Donald Double D Ducray. <laughs> oh, man. I love the hype. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. You know, well, it's about the thunderstorm here. So my solar power energy is just going down. But uh, <laughs> no, we got. Man. <laughs> We got a, I like the lineup today. I really do. I think we mm-hmm. got a pretty good mix. I said this every episode though. I'm like, I love the lineup. Good mix. You always love the lineup. But to be fair, I, I, do. I don't know that everyone knows the process because we usually come into these with in the neighborhood of like 10 plus stories or like a dozen stories and cut down to half of that to actually go over. So I really do think we choose the ones that we're most into talking about and are most excited for. So it's a fair enough comment, I think. Personally, I think it is. But we're going to talk a little about Super Mario movie, which probably has a very impressive Hollywood cast and maybe not so impressive depending which way you look at it. The Batman sequel, <laughs> Robert Patterson's Batman will be getting a sequel. So Pattinson. we'll be talking about that. Pattinson? Yeah. Pattinson? Yeah. All right. Robert Pattinson. There you go. All right. Robert Pattinson's Batman is getting a sequel. So we'll talk about that. Also, a Twitch streamer actually made a very interesting port for Elden Ring. So we're going to talk about that as well. I know we've talked about Elden Ring quite a bit, but uh, yeah, I I mean, I'm actually pretty excited for that it, one. Give the buzz. And then some updates to Twitch as well, which might come as a surprise to some. The latest MCU movie as well, Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness. Some news coming out of that. And some more PlayStation news as well, as far as some updates on what they're going to do for indie games and free trials. To get us started, Super Mario movie will be delayed. I uh, actually forget the exact date it's going to go, but it's going to be delayed a whole year. So what, 2024, right? 2023. It was meant to come I'm out yeah. in, at the end of this year, I think in December. And now they're looking at, I want to say spring of 2023 next year. So it's like a four to five month delay. In that range of things, six months maybe. Are um, you excited for it? I mean, the delay, I don't think the delay is too shocking, I'll be honest. I feel like I, no, most I, movies now are kind of getting pushed back for whatever reason. Yeah, and you know, I think it's the typical issues that we've been seeing around COVID and stuff like that. Still plagues, I think, production of movies. I think my my bigger thing with this is like, has has anyone like looked at the casting, like Chris Pratt as Mario? <laughs> Doesn't he, the man yeah. does not scream italian plumber and like you said you kind of alluded to this in the intro right like it's a pretty star-studded cast anya taylor joy charlie day jack black keegan michael key like literally everybody on the list is somebody that i know of or have seen before yeah Yeah, like all and for me when you have an ensemble cast it's a huge red flag to me it really is because it's like hey let's take a a big ip a known ip that is going to draw people in just by the name like mario Let's throw in a bunch of big name stars that will also have their own draw just because of who they are as individuals, whether or not they're good or bad for the parts that they're being cast for, they will bring people to theaters and it's a recipe to milk money with a really subpar film. So I'm not feeling positive on the overall like how you know production quality i don't think it's going to be a good movie is what it comes down to yeah, i think subpar is harsh though. i mean who i'm not expecting an oscar winning movie entertaining super mario movie is all i'm expecting charlie day is luigi i think will be funny the accent i'm not quite sure charlie day's kind of only got one voice it is entertaining i mean i'm a fan <laughs> always sunny but i do still love the chris pat spoof of just the uh gabagool <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up oh, i do man. expect a very awful jersey italian not quite like my boy colin farrell did in the batman with his just beautiful take on jersey 
uh, Italian <laughs> with the penguin. Absolutely loved it. Probably I mean, I was cracking it was up well when I saw acted. that. So, um, but I don't know, man. I mean, so you're you're gonna see it first of all, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be entertained. Fred Armisen, I think him as Cranky Kong will be hilarious. <laughs> Uh, the Seth Rogen, I mean, that's like fan service in a lot of accounts. I don't know if we need Donkey Kong in that said movie, but it's going to be entertaining. Like, why not? I mean, I can watch it with my nephews, or maybe it's going to be a bit more adult, crude humor, and like, I can laugh my ass off. All right. They do so any you, sort of spoofs from the old 80s cartoon. I'm definitely going to So, crack why it, are you going there? Are you going because show. you think it's going to be a good time, is what you're saying? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm going to go be- out of obligation. I feel like I can't not see this movie um, and be on this podcast at the same time. Like I said, I'm not holding out a lot of hopes. I think Jack Black's going to be a shining star in the midst of this. Probably Keegan-Michael Key as well. And other than that, I think it's going to be um, not super amazing for the most part. You're coming but, down are pretty, pretty hard. Look, look, if I keep my expectations low, then I can only go up from there. So, I mean, let's talk about things we might have better expectations for. If you want to kick us off on the Batman. Yes, somebody kind of hinted at it with Colin Farrell playing the Penguin, which, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the trailer or you're not one of the, I don't know, what, 20 million have watched it this <laughs> week on HBO Max. Uh, the Batman will officially get a sequel, which I think the timing of this um, isn't surprising with the begun HBO Max. I think it's surprising because the movie has only been out total. Calamity theater release, and then now the HBO, basically your at-home theater release, for what, four months? No, Maybe less than that. Two, two months, months I think. Months? I, I I don't think it's even been a full two months because I think the initial review, I think the initial release was March fourth, and so we're recording here at the end of April. Yeah. So Change it hasn't even been a full two off. months yet. <laughs> so, which is I don't know. That's kind of surprising to me for them to announce it. I like it, and I don't like it. How about you? I'll get to that in a second. Though. Yeah, I've got a lot of mixed feelings about it. Uh, I watched it. There were definitely some shining parts to it overall. Um, for me, I thought sometimes there was like they were trying to be edgy, which when you're trying to be edgy, I think comes across cringy at times. Like the opening stuff very much was like in that vein of things. And then I think it found its pace as it went along. I enjoyed it. Not sure I was a huge fan of this interpretation of the Riddler per se. I mean, more grounded character. I like that. It's not bad. Like it definitely, I mean, some people really absolutely fucking love this movie, right? And to be clear, if I was putting it on a scale of like one to ten, for me, it's probably a solid seven or eight. Like it's up there. Like I legitimately enjoyed the movie as well. Yeah, I'm canceling the show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I still think it had its kind of sore points. Colin Farrell's portrayal of the Penguin was great. Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman was pretty solid. Wait, I don't want to see them come out with Joker. Is my big fear for the sequel. That I'm with you on. Seven or eight is crazy to me. Like you're drunk. I, I don't even <laughs> for, know. For putting it what that uh, high or that low? <laughs> that low. I think this is really this is up there with Logan for me as best comic book movie ever made. Wow. This is a ten out of ten film. This is an amazing fucking film. I mean, I knew people loved it. Not. I just it's didn't in, realize it's you were in one the of Logan them. realm because you don't need to know the source material to appreciate this film. It is one of the most well acted films I have seen in ages, as far as the complete cast is knocking it out of the park i don't think it felt like three hours i I think there's parts you could nitpick for sure with it but overall there's very few superhero films that are just standalone films and that's what i love about this is that it was just a great film all the way through Mm -hmm. cinematography wise everything and again spoiler alert with this stuff guys 
you know, it's the first time we saw Batman lose. We've never seen that before. And yeah. I thought that was so well done. And then the idea then too, that he is angsty. You have the year one mixed with long Halloween throughout the story. But then now you haven't realizing that like, yes, he can't just be angsty trying to be vengeance and filling a gap in him. He has to be more. And by him losing, he discovers that. My, my biggest flaw with this is Joker wasn't needed. And that's why I'm not, I don't know if I'm, I like the movie so much, so I'm excited for the sequel, but I don't like the idea of the Joker being the next one. I thought they did a phenomenal job with the Riddler. I thought Paul Dano deserves an Oscar for his performance with it. hundred percent. Wow. Okay. And him. I mean, that whole scene in the interrogation room when he's finally called, that yeah. sealed it for me. That's to put the whole movie over the top for me because it's really, because that's, that's where I lost a few points for me. See, yeah, yeah. I think he went into it well, just being like, I want to be wowed. <laughs> you no, because I, I feel like Paul Dano's version of the Riddler was very much inspired by Heath Ledger's version of the Joker. Like, they, they very Dano much were touching similar veins for me. And, like, the movie itself, I think, preserves some great themes in terms of class disparity and the differences in wealth. And, like, the three main characters, right? Riddler, Batman, and Catwoman, all three are orphans, but they all come from different circumstances. And the movie kind of explores like how their different privilege or wealth affected the way they grew up. And then the choices they make and the characters they ultimately end up becoming obviously. And like, I liked the larger themes. I liked that even though this was like definitely early Batman, we didn't get an origin story. Thank God for that. I don't need to see his parents get killed for the millionth time. You know what I mean? Like we all know that. So that was all very solidly done in my opinion. I thought Paul Dano's character though, compared too much to Heath Ledger's Joker but I would have liked to see that be more like, frankly, uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin was a very unique interpretation of Penguin that really fucking drew me in and I was sold on. Like, I loved his version of Penguin and it was completely unique to him. I've never seen it played that way before in uh, animated yeah, but or big screen fashion. I guess I guess in that sense, the animation thing. But like to me, that's that's Oswald Cobblepot. He doesn't really have... He's just a thug. And the North Jersey side of Crash because it's the whole like, <laughs> and, you know, they're showing the picture. Of the, hey, what are you doing? Get out of here. I was dying. Uh, I was great. But talking a little bit long on it. Absolutely going long on this one. But uh, mixed results for, but regardless, shifting gears completely. <laughs> Elden Ring, Twitch streamer by the name of Shintendo TV, phenomenal name there, <laughs> made a Game Boy port of Elden Ring, basically Final Fantasy esque. Played the original Final Fantasies on the Game Board, classic RPG style. He basically made a kind of a quick little trailer to his audience and is going to make the game level by level on his Twitch stream. Pretty cool thing. Yeah. And I got to say, for me, one of the things that was interesting about this is I've never heard the term demake before, right? This isn't a remake of the game. This is a demake, as in we're taking something that's modern and polished and taking it and making it in an older style using older technology and, and you know um, it's pixel graphics obviously and everything else. So it's basically being taken back. And so it's referred to as a D make, which I think is a very interesting concept in terms of how these games play out in an older style, because I think I've made this comparison before, or maybe you have, one of us has definitely said that, these games are like modern day Mario equivalents, right? Like you get hit once or twice and you're down, right? So like the difficulty is really like, this is what we were playing with in those older games. You just didn't have the health bars, and everything else. And so it seems super hard, but like you only got hit once or twice in Mario and you was out, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't see it being so different in legacy, demaking it as they call it and bring it back to a Game Boy version, back to those kind of roots 
I think is actually a very kind of like true to the franchise interpretation of Elden Ring. No, for sure. I think it's a cool thing. I think it's a cool thing for his, you know, Twitch audience to kind of do. Um, it makes me kind of interested to kind of watch it and see the process of it. Uh, also, too, I think Elden Ring lore might make more sense in this format. <laughs> That's interesting you bring that up. I, I need to get the game and play it. Um, but from what I hear, it's storytelling that there is a lot of story there. It's just hard to understand it completely yeah, so polarizing thing i know some fans were crucifying me at the stake for saying that others will also agree <laughs> yeah well i mean speaking of twitch i guess the next thing we need to talk about is that twitch is looking to boost its own profit margins and they're looking to do that by cutting streamer profit margins so basically they're looking to change the way they distribute the money the cut that comes to twitch will be increased which means less to the streamers it's one of those things like I I don't understand it at all because like it like from my perspective, this is purely motivated by money. There's no other benefit to this. There's no reason for this. And it's also not as far as I know that the con- that the company's losing money or non-profitable that like they're in a situation where they need to take some sort of drastic action to generate funds. So they just see a way to make more money and they're going for it is what it comes across as. Am I missing something here? Yeah, I think what surprised me is this stuff, too. Is that the first time we've seen this or discussed about it? Um, I mean, the Facebook uh, with their meta and 50%, because it's going from 100% take home as far as content creators to 50. That's a 20% swing, which is pretty crazy. And it's oh, yeah. like even at 30%, Twitch is still making, you know, hand over fist with money and whatnot as well. To not get 20% to me is that's insane. Well, and to I be mean, clear, it's too, it's 20% of, like, of the overall. Because if you're taking so. from 70% of the overall down to 50, what does that actually work out to in terms of... Depends of your take-home? I'm not, yeah, it's, I'm not it's a, like a math. 30% cut in their actual take-home profits. So yeah. it's an even larger cut in what they actually end up taking home than just that 20%. It, so it's like a 30% drop. It's one of those drop. things to where, I don't know, similar to the argument we had two, two shows ago on uh, Spectator Mode here with the, the meta and uh, Epic's metaverse, What's the lore then to be a content creator and go on this platform? You're, mm-hmm. you're kind of forced then to the audience and you're tied to and you're almost anchored in. And it is a lot of just corporate greed of like, you're making good money. Why do you need to do this if you're a Twitch? Aside yeah. from just, you know, you can get away with it and you know the audience and the content creators are kind of stuck with you. Yeah, because like end of the day, and, and I'll be interested to see how this plays out too, because not that streaming I think was ever super profitable to begin with, taking... But like Twitch specifically, right, lives and dies by its content creators. It doesn't actually do anything else on its own, of which I'm aware, to generate revenue streams. It needs people on its site streaming to be able to generate revenue. So like if you hurt your streamers, how do you make money? I'm curious to see what their live championship streams are and take away some that. Hmm. Because then if you talk about League of Legends, you talk about esports on the collegiate and professional level. Is that fueling it more so than essentially their bread and butter with content creators? But unfortunately, content creators are taking the bigger heap. So, well, like, I thought part of like, it hey, too. if we can make 50% of the Super Bowl for esports, why aren't we? I mean, maybe because like, the only other thing I can think of too is like ads and stuff, but like you, like you can't run an ad for somebody who's not watching or on a channel that doesn't exist anymore, right? So, if by increasing their own profits, cutting streamers' pay essentially, there's fewer streamers those channels will close down. They can't run ads on those. That's fewer viewers. Like, I don't know. It just, it seems, I don't, 
I guess I'm not a business guy because to me, this only seems like a short-term money grab for long-term pain, but maybe there's some something going on that I don't understand. And if anyone knows, please feel free to educate me. I'm happy to listen on, on this at least because I will admit this is not my area of expertise, but uh, we do tend to be pretty harsh on companies a lot when it comes to representation, inclusion, whether they're doing it as money grabs, speaking of, whether they're doing it just for the money or because they actually believe in these things. And I want to give props to a company that I've previously come down on pretty hard for this stuff, which is Disney. Now, let's be clear. I personally think that whether they're doing it for the profits or out of sincerity doesn't matter. Inclusiveness and stuff in portrayals and on screen is important regardless. But I have still been one of those people in the camp of like, I don't think they're sincere in these portrayals. I think they're doing it because it generates them money. Disney has come out and has taken a stand to say that they will not cut out gay references, LGBTQ references in Doctor Strange 2 for the Saudi Arabia airing. It amounts to a little bit less than 12 seconds where one of the characters who is canonically gay also has gay mothers. And she mentions that, like she just mentions that she has two mothers instead of two fathers, right? Or like a mother and father kind of deal. That's literally all it is. And, and Saudi Arabia is like, Hey, we don't want that in our media and Disney for their part are like, we don't care. We think this isn't a big deal and we're going to leave it in there. So it means they're probably going to lose out on that market. And you know what? Kudos to Disney. No, I mean, I can't, I'm, I'm with you. It's a good move by Disney in that sense of being like, Hey, we're not going to back down. Um, but to Disney's point, I am surprised to see them actually have some gusto and stick to their guns and essentially pull the movie from Saudi Arabia, which seems like they're going to have to do. And to the point, too, uh, it's 12 seconds. So it's also like, hey, what's the big deal kind of thing, too? I would, I'd be curious if it was the main character and for maybe you know 90 minutes if Disney would have the, uh, the same decision. I don't know. Why don't we try to bring this home a little bit with PlayStation all Plus? Right, all right. And their new premium tier. So tell me what that's yes. about. Well, we've talked about PlayStation Plus and their tiers and basically their uh, version of the Xbox Game Pass. The big news coming out this week is that basically PlayStation told developers that any game that's over 35 bucks has to have a two-hour trial. The some exceptions to where you can do a quick free trial and they're basically going to be very subjective with that of like, okay, game A may get that, game B may not. But overall, they're saying to developers, if... Your game is 35 bucks on PlayStation Plus. You need a two-hour trial, which I think is interesting for a lot of reasons because would that make you want to become a PlayStation Plus subscriber if you have guaranteed two hours of gameplay for much any game available to you? Yes. For me, that's a huge selling point because I think one of the biggest issues plaguing the gaming industry right now is pre-sales and pre-reviews and stuff like that being largely misleading, basically. And different companies do better and worse jobs with these things. But long story short, I think we've seen several times, some of them famously, where games were released and did not live up to expectations or were massively buggy on launch and like just had all kinds of issues on release one way or another but people were already out the money or they put in too many hours for refund policies to work anymore that they couldn't get their money back by the time they were just like, I really, I've tried to struggle through this and I can't anymore. And it's been very anti-consumer in that respect. And having a guaranteed trial period is very pro-consumer. Let's me get in there, play the actual game, see how it's working, see if there's bugs or anything and make an informed decision about how I'm spending my money. 
based on my own experiences and not what I've been told by some, you know, media outlet or some reviewer who, whether they were paid for that or whatever the heck went on behind the scenes, maybe, or just how much my views align with their views on that kind of basic level, right? Like they could, they could love the game and I could absolutely hate it just because we have different ideas of what's fun and what's not fun. You know what I mean? So it's a very pro consumer move. And if you told me that I could trial any game before committing to it and spending that money, yeah, I, w- I would definitely bump up for the premium version because I think in the long run, if that even got me out of playing one game, like bu- from buying a game for 60 bucks or something, and then I'm just like, no, I think that saves me my money. You know what I mean? So it's worth it. I'm curious to see what developers' responses to this because for a game like Elden Ring or basically any RPG, two hours could be the intro, like Mass Effect especially. That's the yeah. intro. You don't have to change anything. It's basically just, you know, boom, you can get to play the intro. Formula One does a great job with the My Team mode. You can create a team and then carry that over into uh, the actual game if you do buy it and you made that in the trial. What I'm curious to see is games like Super Meat Boy or uh, Celeste to where it's two hours is a good chunk of the game. Then If you're flying through it and really pumping it out. You know, grant a lot of those games is basically the 100% the completionist and that's kind of part of platforming. But you could really end up playing almost a third of a game in some of those indie games. So I'm curious to see how they respond to this. I mean, but then wouldn't the counter argument be that they shouldn't be releasing above the $35 price point? You know what I mean? Like if you're going to make a game that is shorter, both in terms of story and like long-term playability might be a simpler system, then like maybe you don't price it up in the $40, $50 range of like what a AAA title costs. You know what I mean? You say you're not a businessman. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that it just kind of because it's it does seem like a game you can play in terms of like if you're an indie developer or whatever. Like, I feel like you can get away with selling your game for a little bit cheaper to not have to deal with the issues of the trial. And if you're a large game publisher or developer, then your the cost you spend on developing your games, you're going to be required to sell it at a higher price, which means you're also going to be required to have the trial versions. You know what I mean? And like I said, for one of those games that run like fifty, sixty dollars, I think the yearly cost of the PlayStation Premium is one hundred and twenty bucks. If I nope out of one game that would have otherwise been a purchase and I would have lost that money for 50 bucks, that's paid for half of it. If I nope out of two of them, that's paid for almost all of it. You know what I mean? So like that $20 or I'm sorry, that two hour trial, that extra, you know, whatever it is, like $20, $30 or it is more to do the premium service has the potential to save me that money in the long term. So I would definitely go for it. That wraps up us for this week. Join us next week. I'm sure we'll have a, another whole list of maybe some reoccurring themes that we've had the last couple of weeks, which is good. But as always, guys, please do. If you're a Twitch streamer or you follow anybody, drop us some comments on the Twitch bit because uh, I'd really love to hear what y'all think about that. I know Double D would as well. Yeah. You all have any topics that you want to see next episode or in the coming weeks, drop us a line as well. But as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. And catch y'all next week. <laughs>